Good morning and welcome to Fort Street Presbyterian Church. It is Sunday, February 14th, 2021, and Reverend Garrett Mostowski will be speaking on the question of how do we do justice. We will be celebrating communion at the very end of this recording, so feel free to grab um, something at home to celebrate with us and stay tuned to the very end when we will be celebrating together. The next sermon will be uploaded at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, February 21st. Our second reading comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Listen now for the word of the Lord. A man with a skin disease approached Jesus, fell to his knees, and begged, If you want, you can make me clean. Incensed, Jesus reached out his hand, touched him, and said, I do want to be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him, and he was clean. Sternly, Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't you say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice for your cleansing that Moses commanded. This will be a testimony to them. But instead, he went out and started talking freely and spreading the news so that Jesus wasn't able to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, but people came to him from everywhere. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for time set aside each week to listen for your voice. God, I pray whatever we would hear this morning would be from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we said we're kind of asking this question of what does love require? And we're asking it especially as we interact with this passage that Christian read from Micah chapter 6. What does love require? And last week we spoke about this scripture from Micah as a blueprint for reconciliation. And we began by examining how the requirements of love begin with repentance begin with sometimes a most profound and first act of love that is listening and saying, how did I fall short? What did I do wrong? I'm listening. And now we move on to think about the first of three things that Micah claims that God or love requires, and that is to do justice. What does it mean to do justice? This is a great question to ask, you know, and we're not the only ones asking it in the church. In fact, Ezra Klein, in a recent opinion piece for the New York Times, raised this implied question of what justice was. And he gave specific attention to the practices of the state government and the people of California. He talked about the danger of politics becoming an aesthetic or just something that's meant to please everyone and look good. 
politics like that rather than politics as a program for justice and real lasting change. And he said this was a danger on both the right and the left. In particular on the left, he said it's a danger because there the symbols of progressivism are often preferred to the sacrifices and risks those ideals demand. And I just couldn't get that quote out of my head, you know. It's so, so convicting. So what does it mean to do justice? There's this great story about Malcolm X when he was beginning to recruit people for uh, the Nation of Islam and, and for causes of justice that he was really spearheading. What he would do is he would actually go to churches and he would try to recruit people, and what he would do is he would stand outside on the steps, and he would wait for everyone to come out exiting, and then he would say to them as they were coming out, he would say some version of, you know, you all have been in here worshiping all morning. You've been here praising God, you've been singing these songs, you've been saying this and that, you've been giving your hallelujahs and your amens, but now I want to ask you, how is your worship going to change the world? And he would say this to church people spilling out of the church, right? He's calling and demanding that if they're going to talk about justice, he wants to know how are they going to do it. And it's a good question. How is our worship changing the world? How do we do justice? So Isaiah says that doing justice is kind of correcting the oppressor, often the controlling power of the state, the government, whoever it is. Correcting the oppressor, defending the fatherless, and the widow's case. That's a good explanation, but it's still kind of vague, isn't it? What does it mean to do justice? There's this great story in scripture about a guy getting his ear chopped off. You might remember this. We, we tell it normally around Easter. So Jesus, on the night that he's betrayed, is uh, handed over to the Roman army, and Peter is standing there with him. Excuse me, he's not handed over to the Roman army. He's handed over to the high priest's hired servants, and then he'll be handed over to the Romans. Peter's standing right there as Jesus is being betrayed and handed over, and, and Peter, who's always full of energy, always excited, always ready to come to someone's defense, pulls out a sword. And he's likely aiming for Malchus's head, but misses and only gets his ear. You remember that? And what does Jesus do? He stoops down to the ground, and he picks it up, he puts the ear back on, and he looks at Peter, and he says, those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. You know, and we often critique Peter on this point, but Peter just wants justice, doesn't he? He knows that Jesus is not guilty. But then again, Malchus on the other side is, he just wants justice too. And the high priests, the religious authorities, the controlling government, we might say, they want justice. And they feel like the movement of Jesus has become unjust.
So what Jesus did there, it might be justice. It might be. In our lectionary text for today, we hear the story of a leper, someone who has a skin disease, who is demanding to be healed, right? Did you catch that in the text? He goes to Jesus, he says, hey, if you want, you could heal me, you know, as if Jesus didn't already know, right? And he says to Jesus, come on, you can do it, you can, you could heal me if you want. And it says, it says in this text, Jesus is incensed. In other texts, it says that Jesus is indignant, meaning that Jesus doesn't think that what this man is doing is just. <laughs> he doesn't think he should be saying, you should heal me because I know you can. But what does Jesus do anyway? He says, all right, I want to, you're healed. <laughs> and then what does he say? Now, please don't go and tell anybody about this, all right? Keep it a secret. Just go do the thing you would normally do. Go to the temple, be cleansed. Do what Moses said. <laughs> and the man doesn't listen to Jesus. He flat out disobeys him. And I want to say, even though he directly disobeys God, well, that might be justice. Toni Morrison has this great quote where she says, I tell my students, when you get these jobs that you've been so brilliantly trained for, and she's speaking to uh, Princeton University students and graduates, I tell my students, when you get these jobs that you've been so brilliantly trained for, just remember that your real job is that if you are free, you need to free somebody else. If you have some power, then your job is to empower someone else. This isn't just a grab bag candy game. That might be justice. Let's think about this the other way. Instead of asking, how do we do justice, let's ask, what isn't justice? Do you remember that story of Pharaoh sitting on his throne and Moses and Aaron going before the throne of Pharaoh and saying, please, please, let my people go. We want to go in the wilderness and worship. Will you please let my people go? And what does Pharaoh say? No, that's not going to happen. In fact, I'm going to increase the amount of work that you have to do. And you're not going to get a single day off. That's not justice. Do you know why tax collectors were so hated in the first century and even before that? It was because the king would put out a call for how much money they needed to raise for whatever project they needed to raise it for. And a lot of times this was in addition to like standard taxes that they would apply. And so the king would put out a call for this amount of money and then tax collectors would come along and they were like independent contractors, okay? And they would do this bidding to see if they could get the contract to gather that much money. But the way that they made their money, in addition to whatever the king might afford them as a percentage, is they would just collect more than what they needed and then pocket the rest. That's not justice. That's not justice at all. Do you know that almost half of all U.S. workers between ages 18 to 64 are employed in low-wage jobs? This means that jobs that sit below the median income level for uh, others in the United States. Low-wage jobs are pervasive. 
representing one-third to two-thirds of all jobs available in the country's almost 400 metropolitan areas. Think about that. Between one-third and two-thirds of all jobs available. Did you know, too, in addition to this, that student loan debt is over $1.6 trillion this year? That's actually less than they thought it would be. In 2016, they thought it would be over $2 trillion by now. So I guess 1.6 is a win in some ways. Did you know that the average debt for someone coming out of school is $35,000? That's the average. If you break that down between black and white students coming out of school, you'll find that on average, black students carry $25,000 more student debt than anyone else. This is what Audre Lorde meant when she talked about the hyper-marginalization of people in our country. It's suspected that at least 22 million of the 44 million borrowers of student loans who average, I'll remind you, $35,000 worth of debt, it's suspected that 22 million of them only have low-wage jobs. That's not justice. Do you remember how throughout the Gospels, Jesus is always <laughs> being overwhelmed by crowds? Just like he can't go anywhere. It says it in this text. I mean, he heals one person. He tells this person not to blab their mouth about it. This guy doesn't listen to Jesus because he's so excited about being healed. And he can't go anywhere. He's got no time on his hands. People are grabbing him, pulling him. They just want his attention. He's not treated like a person. He's kind of a means to an end at that point. And that, well, that's not justice. Doing justice in that scenario might be slipping away when no one's looking, finding an open space, breathing, enjoying a little time alone in prayer with God. Justice for us might be realizing that we have limits and that we are loved regardless of what we produce. Doing justice might be just hang with me here, it might be canceling student loan debt for everyone and calling it a tax cut for the poor. It might be setting financial captives free. And if you think that that's unrealistic, consider this. Donald Trump, during his time in office, offered the wealthiest members of society $1.5 trillion in tax cuts. It's absolutely possible to offer this to students as a measure of justice. There's only 1.6 trillion in student debt, remember? Doing justice might also be ensuring that wealth is distributed in such a way that all are given a living wage. And for those of you that think this is impossible or idealistic, I would remind you that we all at least claim to believe in a risen Savior, in a risen Lord, we stand up here on Easter and we claim that someone came back from the dead. So we're used to big ideas. We're used to almost absurd ideas, aren't we? That might be justice. Doing justice might be like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, 
who is hated by his community, standing up during a feast at his home and saying, I will repay whoever I stole from seven times what I took from them. That sounds like justice. Doing justice might be like God wiping out an ancient army led by Pharaoh and his people who are hell-bent on enslaving the poor to benefit the rich and powerful. That might be justice. Doing justice might be what Toni Morrison said, and that is only what Jesus said, do well unto others, <laughs> or do unto others as they do unto you. If you have received, you might want to give. Doing justice might be healing and setting free the entitled jerk that is demanding that you heal him and doesn't listen to a word that you say, doesn't obey a single wish. Or justice might be obeying and healing the man with an illness that keeps him from his spiritual community. Doing justice might be healing the man that is quite literally leading you to your death as is the case with Jesus and Malchus. Doing justice, friends, goes beyond saying the right things. It goes beyond the symbols and signs of progressivism or justice. It goes beyond sharing the right articles and the right memes, attending the proper trainings, or putting the right sign in our front yard, being vocally progressive or for justice. It goes beyond all of that. Justice is not something we say. It's something that we do. And I believe the church needs to hear this more than anyone else. And I believe, too, Fort Street family, that justice might just be in this world if we committed to living the life that Jesus is calling us to live. So I would encourage you, as we in a few moments, stand up and we exit here and we walk out these steps. Or for those of you that are listening online, as you go to log off and you spin around in your chair to go about your day, I want you to imagine that you're confronted by Malcolm X. And he's standing there asking you, how are you going to go do justice this week? Because you've been in here worshiping and you've been saying all the right things and doing all the right things, but what are you going to go do about it. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for healing. Thank you for justice. God, thank you for ways forward in a world where sometimes it feels like there's no way forward. God, be with us as we seek to marry our worship of you with our practices throughout the week. God, give us the strength and courage to do justice as you would have us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, friends, we're going to take communion in kind of a weird and socially distanced way, a way that we're not used to, but the truth of communion remains the same. And I want you to know that uh, this table is not my table, all right? This table doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to anyone in this church, even if they donated it. It's not theirs. In fact, it doesn't even really belong to the church. This table is God's table, and I believe, along with our denomination, that all who are willing to call upon the name of the Lord are welcome to come here and to gather around and to feast. And so I want you to know that you are always, always welcome here, no matter what. Will you pray with me? God, we lift our hearts up to you and we give you thanks. We know that it is right to give you thanks, God, through Christ, your only Son. God, with all the faithful ones who rest in your Son, with the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven, God, we are here to proclaim your great and glorious name forever and ever. And God, we say, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And God, we pray this along with your angels, and we also pray the way that your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, on the night before he died, Jesus was at the table with his friends. And after giving blessing for the meal, he took the bread that was there and he broke it. And he gave it to his friend, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, after they had all finished eating and telling stories and being together, he took the cup and he poured it out for them. And he said, this is the blood of my new covenant with you. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Friends, we have little pods that we gave to you. Normally we would go down the rows and pass this out or you would come forward, but you have these little pods and I... I'm going to share this because I didn't do this correctly the first time we took communion. So you've got to peel. There's, there's, the wafer is on top here, okay? So there's one thin layer of plastic you're going to take and peel back, and you'll grab your wafer, and then there's a second layer with the actual juice underneath. And so, friends, I want to say the table is set. Let's come and eat and see that the Lord is good. Amen.
Will you pray with me? God of new life, you renew us daily through your baptismal promises. Guide us in all we do that your power will shine in our words and deeds. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. We pray for the earth, for the health of all bodies of water, for the great lakes, the Detroit River, all rivers and streams, and we ask that in the clear, clean waters you have created for us to drink and use, we ask that we may see your love for all your creatures. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We pray for all who live directly by the bounty of the earth, for those who sow seeds and raise livestock and pick cocoa plants, catch fish and give us food to eat. Pray for people who work in processing plants and factories and manufacture things. We pray for people who pack and haul and sell us the fruits of their labor and for those who are not paid a living wage to fulfill their call. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. God, we pray for all governments and government officials, for Joe Biden and Gretchen Whitmer and Mayor Duggan, the city council, for all our county commissioners. And we pray, too, for all who cast their vote with something to say. Give them wisdom and lead them to serve the needs of everyone. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray for all who are in distress, those who are hurting, worrying, and sick, for Lorraine, Brian, the Kellys, the Marshalls, John, Kathy, RJ, Tom, and all those that we had left unnamed. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Hear now, God, the concerns of our body, spoken silently or shouted out. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Amen.